Welcome to Daybreak Devotions, a podcast version of the daily radio ministry of the McLeansville Baptist Church with your host, Pastors Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell. Welcome to another Monday edition of the Daybreak Devotions. Pastor Mike Barnett and Corey Cantrell, your co-host here on Daybreak Devotions, and we hail from the McLeansville Baptist Church. So thank you for tuning in uh, today. Not only a brand new day, but a brand new week. And we've got some some brand new studies to get into today. Sadly, for I'm sure a number of our listeners, the Star Wars era is over. <laughs> and we'll have to wait again until next year. It may be over uh, in formality, but it's not over in our hearts. Gone but not forgotten. That's right. Uh, yes, the fan mail keeps pouring in. And if you've got some you want to send our way, don't forget you can reach us at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com. You know, we haven't mentioned that in a while. It's been uh, time for another shameless plug. It would be good to a receive. Shameless plug of ourselves? Yeah, that's why it's a shameless plug. All right, anyway. Well, today we're going to, by your, by your uh, thought, uh, your idea, we're going to talk about one of the topics we've been looking at in the, in the church here uh, recently. Matter of fact, we've been looking at the heart of Jesus over the last... I guess three or four weeks uh, in various ways. Coming out of the whole way of the devout heart studies, we're really continuing that by looking at the heart, the most devout heart of all, which is Jesus. And that we're doing that as a way to help us to pursue that renovation of our own heart into Christ's likeness. And so one of the best ways to do that, if not the best way to do that, is to turn our attention fully on him and look at him and look at his heart, discern it from the scriptures, and then pray over that, pray into our life that we become like that. So already we've spent some time looking at the warrior heart of Jesus, and this past week we looked at the compassionate heart of Jesus, and it was your thought that that would be a great topic for us to introduce today is this compassionate heart of Jesus. Yes, and I think you gave the challenge last Wednesday night, you know, hey, as we read the, as we read the Gospels, a couple weeks ago it was look for the way the warrior heart of Jesus is put on display. And then this week was look for the ways the compassionate heart of Jesus was on display. And in my personal reading, um, I was in Mark chapter number 5, which I think we've had this discussion before. Like if, if we had, you know, if we could only have X number of chapters of the Bible to keep with us, what would they be? For me, Mark chapter number 5 is one of those chapters. I have always loved Mark 5 because it is it is so full of the life, the focus, and the the better term for it, the heart of Jesus. I mean, it is just on display in so many different ways. And so as I was reading through there, you see Jesus's compassion just, I mean, it just exudes on every verse, but you also see his warrior heart on display as well. And so as we were talking about what to do today, uh, that was fresh on my heart and mine. I know it's fresh on your heart and mine, and so uh, hopefully the listeners will be able to benefit from that some as well. Well, and one of the things that you just brought out that we're trying to emphasize in the church and we emphasize here on the radio is that the heart of Jesus is not like um, like costumes, and that's not the best analogy because that makes it almost cartoonish, but maybe there, another analogy will come to mind. But in other words, it isn't like, when he's being compassionate, he's just compassionate. Or when he's being the warrior, he's just a warrior. What right. we're learning is that Jesus, because he is wholehearted, is always all of that. It's just there's certain 
virtue that comes forward in the moment depending on how it's needed. So you may have the compassionate warrior or you may have warrior compassion, however you want to say it, but it's always exhibiting that. The other one that that we're going to look at at some point is just, and I've used the word devout already, but it's just, I don't know if this is the right word, maybe there's another word, but just the de- the devotion, the devout heart of Jesus that is always displayed as well, meaning by that his constant awareness and practice of the presence of his Father. Sure. Well, let's go to my text from the other night, uh, just to kind of set the stage here for this discussion. Mark chapter 1 and verse number 40. There came a leper to him, to Jesus, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him. I, now, I just want to say this thought crossed my mind the other night. I didn't say anything about it, but I like how that's written. There came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying unto him. I guess if you're looking for formulas about how to approach Jesus, that would be one way to do it. But he says, here's the question. If thou wilt, actually, I guess it's not a question, it's a statement. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean, which is worth noting that this is a statement of faith, that this man came actually really believing that Jesus could do this for him. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And what you have here is this engagement between Jesus and the leper that, in the Gospel of Mark, of course, uh, first really introduces us to this compassion that Jesus has. Although, as we've said, with what we're learning, we could go back through this and see other areas of compassion already exhibited when Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, even in the synagogue. There is a, probably at some level a sense of compassion when he rebukes the evil spirit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because he's that's the warrior Jesus rebuking the evil spirit in the synagogue earlier that day, but, but in doing that, there's also a compassion to free this man from the evil spirit that's dominating his life. So here's the, the, the introduction to it, though, as far as the phrase, Jesus moved with compassion. Now, when we introduce the idea of compassion, we need to understand you know, what it means and, and kind of the role that it has in the heart of God because Jesus is the express image of God. He is literally uh, our way of seeing the heart of God in a way that we can connect to and understand. Um, so when we think of compassion, just I asked this in the church and the listener can think, but when we think of compassion, I'll ask you, I know you have already thought about this some, but when you hear compassion, what comes to mind or who comes to mind or what kind of people come to mind? think you know it's it's like a a nurturing quality it's typically those that um, are tender um, moms nurses teachers I think even of like maybe people that we look at as mentors role models people that um, went out of their way to invest in our lives in not in a a harsh berating way but but literally in a in a discipling, instructive type way, that that's a lot of compassion because it takes self-sacrifice in order to be able to pour yourself into somebody else. Yeah, so I'll, those are all good words for helping, and I think most people would agree. Like, we, we get that. One of the things that we are distinguishing, I think, today is the difference between compassion and pity. Yes. Because here's why. Here's why. Because if you look at the, the actual definition of compassion in the Scriptures, so going back to the Old Testament, There are many, many verses that speak of God's compassion. 
But just five times in the Psalms, you'll read this phrase that the Lord was full of compassion. And when you see full of compassion, that says something. In other words, it's not just something that he can tap into and, you know, he's got it when he needs it. God is full of compassion. And we think about Old Testament, the way they saw God, and sometimes the way we view God in the Old Testament as a God of judgment and perhaps anger. And, you know, it's just we don't see him as the gentle God that we see in Jesus. But the reality is the Old Testament tells us over and over and over again that God is literally full of compassion. But it's one word in Hebrew. It's the word that means merciful. When I thought about this the other night, and then you brought you brought it up again, we think of the judgment of God in the Old Testament. A lot of times we can view that judgment as compassion. It is compassionate that God is angry with wickedness and evil and intervenes into mankind to combat that evil because otherwise, left to our own devices, we would all head towards destruction. It's compassion that he doesn't just say, all right, fine, whatever, mm-hmm. do what you want to do. But he loves mankind so much that he deals with evil to ultimately showcase a way out of that evil. That's a nurturing quality. The word uh, in the New Testament, which I had fun with on Wednesday night, do you remember what the word is and how to pronounce it? No idea at all. (laughs) Neither would I if I didn't have it in front of me now. But it, it comes from this phrase, moved with compassion, that we read in Mark 141, which we read about Jesus several times in the Scriptures. But it's the word splunknitsamai. <laughs> now, if you really, you really want to emphasize that now, splunknitsamai. I don't know if that sounds more German or, or, or Greek. But it, it means to be stirred with sympathy or pity. That's what I mentioned, pity, earlier. Because sometimes today we think, I think people hear the word pity and they say, oh, pity him, that poor person. I'm glad I'm not like him. Almost like the, the, uh, the Pharisee in the yeah. story Jesus tells, you know, I'm not like other men, like that guy over there. But that's not the pity. That's not what Jesus had. His was a sympathetic. So Webster defines compassion this way. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. Yep. That's the distinction. People today might pity someone. Oh, I'm glad I'm not in that shape. Isn't that terrible? I, boy, I'd hate to be like that. Bless his heart. Yeah, and, and it might even be a genuine recognition that that's a terrible place to be in you know so one of the ones we think about a lot around here because we have tried to establish and continue some outreach to homeless because you know our area has a lot of homeless people but you'll go people may drive by on the in the city or downtown and they see somebody there that's homeless and they may say genuinely they feel bad for them boy I, i feel bad i pity that but where the difference is is the compassion of god is and i think this is definitely where you're wanting to go today in Mark 5, is that engagement of entering into the problem and doing something to fix it. Yeah. Now, I just want to say right up front, that sometimes is the challenge. My wife and I, we were talking about this after I taught this on last Wednesday night, because the what I presented to the church, you know, from the scriptures, it tells us that there are basically two expressions that, that are that are given about Jesus and compassion. You'll see that he had compassion, and he was moved with compassion. And for me, that, that helps give a framework of how we can pray into this during this week. Lord, help me to actually have the compassion, to actually feel that sense of, of wanting to recognize people's trouble but also do something, but that doing something, being moved with compassion. That's mm-hmm. the next part. Lord, help me to be moved with the compassion. And as we were talking about that, 
we both agreed among ourselves that we have a strong empathy in seeing, recognizing, and feeling things for people and with people. But where we feel like we struggle more is that moving into doing something about it. But I think it's largely because a lot of times we don't know what to do. Yes. It's it's almost like, oh, man, I, I want to do something, but I don't know I don't know what to do. I'm chomping at the bit to get involved, but I, I don't even know where to get started. This is such a big problem. What is my little bit even going to do to rectify that problem at all? And that's a very important part. And I'll just make this point and then let you take us to Mark 5. Because even as I prayed about this in the in the days gone by, I thought, and in my prayer, I've recognized and said, Lord, I, I understand that not doing anything is not the answer. Mm-hmm. So even though I may not know what all I can do, I know that the smallest acts of kindness are acts of compassion. When I feel, I guess we can say we, when we hurt for someone, mm-hmm. the smallest act of kindness is a great work in the kingdom of God. Yes. You know, that giving the cup of cold water. But the smallest acts, all the way to learning what we can do that are larger sacrifices of our time and our treasure or our talents, but all of that. So, in other words, I guess what I'm saying is is what we're learning, the answer is never do nothing. The answer is do something, and even the smallest act God can bless and make a huge difference in someone's life. That, that allows us to then step into it, and I'm going to trust my little for you to do much with. So Mark chapter 5 was where you really got caught up yes. on this. Mark 5, time would fail us. I mean, I think we spent, when we did Monday mornings in Mark, I think Mark 5 was several Mondays because it's just so full of engagement. I thought about this as I was as I was going this morning and, and rethinking through some of these things. You see Jesus' compassion really poured out on three different groups of people throughout the whole chapter. You see Jesus having compassion on the hated with the... Uh, maniac of Gadara, the town ostracized him. Hey, we don't want him in here. Let's get him out of here. We don't want our children being around him. He was hated and despised. Then you see Jesus having compassion on the hopeless, the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she's had this issue. She's tried doctor after doctor, was never any better. She had given, she had lost everything. She had nowhere else to go. And then you see Jesus having compassion, having compassion on the helpless. You've got this young girl, Typically, we think of children, you know, they, they, they can't do anything for themselves. They're, they're helpless. They need somebody to, to engage and to, uh, to enter in on their behalf. And all three of these scenarios, you see Jesus just filled with compassion. In fact, to the maniac, maniac of Gadara, he tells him to go home and tell, thou, tell thy friends how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. So, as you see Jesus moving and engaging and interacting, I, I think immediately I was drawn to the maniac of Gadara. That has always been an account that has just fascinated me because what has always blown my mind was you see maybe one of the most dramatic changes in an individual to go from a man cutting himself, screaming uncontrollably in the tombs to all of a sudden sitting and clothed in his right mind. And I've always read this and thought, how have the how did the people in the town, how were they not just immediately drawn to Jesus? Like, wow, you have taken this nuisance in society and you've tamed him. I mean, wow, look at what you've done. You must have great teaching. 
and the town drives him away. It's almost like the only person in the town that really appreciated the compassion and the love of Jesus was the recipient of it. At least in that time, right? Right. But given time, years down the road, people won't remember that, and there'll be this guy that now is like making an impact. Right. And I think even, too, that was another display of the compassion of Jesus was that he gave somebody who was previously useless a, a purpose and, an, and a direct mission. This guy left that day knowing, I've got marching orders. I have something in my life worth living for. I get to go throughout all of Decapolis, which was like a, a region of 10 different cities. So the, the, he would never be able to fully cover the ground. And I, I would have to put myself in this guy's shoes and think, if I had been living a life where society hated me, they didn't want anything to do with me, they were, they were kicking me out, now all of a sudden I have ten cities that I have the opportunity to, to be a, a witness for. I have a message. I will never run out of life purpose again. I will never run out of something to do. That is a compassionate gift to give to somebody that for who knows how long had been viewed as a blight to society. Yeah, I'm not sure which side of uh, the Sea of Galilee Gadara was on, but that, that region of ten cities also kind of hovers around the Sea of Galilee. It's kind of spread around it. I think maybe the east or the west side, north over to the you know, it may, it may go around the whole thing. I can't remember. I was looking in the back of this Bible trying to see it on a map, but my whole thought of that was is that he would never, even just being right there, he would never be so far removed that he could not see constantly reminders of yes. what used to be, but that what used to be would only be the doorway into the blessing of look what now is. Yes. I guess that shows us the great, greatest work of compassion that Jesus does is transforming our lives freeing us, saving us, and that's why he came, to seek and to save that which was lost. So one thing that I talked about Wednesday night that I think factors into this is the courage that it takes to be compassionate. This is a great example. Really in all three of these people that you mentioned in this chapter, but certainly for this Gadarene man, because as you pointed out, nobody wanted to be around this guy, yeah. and rightly so if you're just the average person looking at this guy I always thought this was like one of the coolest sermon titles ever uh, that I heard a preacher preach from this, and he called it The Nude Dude in the Crude Mood. <laughs> but who would want to be around this, yeah. right? You don't take your children out to no. the, that area of Gadarene. You know, you don't go to the beach there. No. And, mm -hmm. uh, well, that might be a whole application we can make about <laughs> the nude dudes in crude moods. Don't go to the – okay, but moving right along. But, but Jesus goes straight into this because he is courageous. And, you know, compassion takes a lot of courage. I made the point the other night that when we think of battle, because we've talked about the warriors and all that, when we think of battle, we do think about, you know, so, for example, we can all, you've been to uh, the beaches, uh, Omaha Beach, which one, or how many did you go to? I think. Normandy. And, yeah, we were at Normandy, and I'm not sure exactly which beachhead that we physically stepped on. Well, either way, you were there on those beaches, and all of us at least maybe have some ideas in our mind, if we've seen it in film or whatever, of those beaches and when the, the Marines and the Army and all landed on these different places in Asia and Europe. But they're storming the beaches, and bullets are flying everywhere, and people are getting killed right and left. But there's bravery and courage of the soldier or the Marine that keeps pushing forward. Yeah. But what about the medic? 
That's what I was thinking about. The medic who stops in the middle of all that and kneels down beside a wounded soldier or a dying Marine and administers care and aid to them at the risk of their own life. That is a picture of compassion. And that's what Jesus is. That's where you, That's the warrior. That's the yep. compassionate warrior coming out in him. And so it's just understanding that we, we need to value this role because it's like in this situation, it's entering into a place of evil and darkness, but it's bringing light in the darkness. It's bringing goodness and love into the places of evil. And it is risky. You know, when, when that leper was approaching Jesus in Mark chapter 1, you know, he had lived his whole life, or at least as long as he'd had leprosy, he lived his whole life being rejected by people. But Jesus doesn't reject him. Jesus moves to him and receives him. And again, the courage it takes to do that. It reminded me of the mission team last year when we went to New York City and how that we had, we, we had, we had men and women on that team that likely had never walked or would never have walked into the areas of that city that we went into, mm-hmm. would never have shaken a hand or given a hug to a homeless person living on the street like they did on that trip. That's the courage that comes from letting the heart, the compassionate heart of Jesus fill us through the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of courage it gives us. You know, to go into places where this could be dangerous, this is risky, but to put that, to quote our friend Scott Welch, to put the fear in the back of your mind and drive on. Yep. And that's that's the warrior, that's the compassionate warrior. Yeah, entering into the strongholds of evil. Is, is kind of what I see here in Mark chapter number 5. The bravery and the courage of Jesus, again, not what we think of as evil people, but people enslaved by evil. And he marches in, you know, he goes into the one in bondage to sin, the maniac of Gadara. He goes into the one that is ensnared by depression and defeat, the woman with the issue of blood. And then literally walks into death's domain and the grief of this young girl that has died and he thwarts all of it Mm -hmm. in spite of scorning in spite of ridicule in spite of rejection he continues to do the right thing out of that compassionate heart out of that warrior spirit to uh, set liberty to bring liberty to the captives to bring sight to the blind and the opening of the prison to them that are bound he's fulfilling his prophecy in the book of Isaiah. So I think the the takeaway of, of today is is understanding this call to compassion that's been put on all of our lives, that we are um, compelled by the Lord's example and by the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, to be compassionate people. When Jesus tells the story of the, of the Good Samaritan, the man asked the question, you know, well, first it starts talking about the, what is the greatest commandment, and, and Jesus says, what have you read? And the guy gets it right. Love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus tells the story about the neighbor because the question is, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, and at the end of it all, he says, go and do thou likewise. And there's no qualifier put on it. There's no do it for this kind but not that kind. The whole point of that story is it doesn't matter who this wounded person is. It doesn't matter who the person in need is. It doesn't matter where they come from, what nationality they are, what race they are, whether they're moral or immoral, Christian or, or heathen. It doesn't matter. You help them. Jesus commanded, go and do thou likewise. And we are to be moved into that compassion. Now, let me say this. Even among ourselves in the church, you know, this is an important thing. So there's the people in the world, which we've talked a lot about, but even in the church, you know, Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 
He said, be ye all of one mind, 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. So we're, we're told to be compassionate toward one another. But whether it's in the church or whether it's on the street, the homeless guy, the guy who's acting a fool at work, you know, maybe it's your own child or grandchild who's getting out of the way and being rebellious. Maybe it's your spouse who's not a believer and who gives you a hard time about wanting to serve Christ. There are ways to show compassion, and Jesus demonstrates that in every encounter we see, whether it's Mark 1, Mark 5, any of them. I'll just say these real quickly, but the way Jesus showed compassion, the way it was possible for him to be compassionate was, number one, he was attentive to others. He was paying attention to the people around him. And friends, we have to look up out of ourselves and look at the world around us and look at the people around us. If we're going to show compassion, we've got to pay attention to where people are in need. Secondly, he was available to others. I mean, he was not only present, but he was availing himself to them. He was saying, I'm here, I'm available to help you. And then number three, he was attractive to others. There were things about him that compelled people to come. Mark 5, now the Gadarene man, he was sort of drawn in through that evil spirit that was compelling him. But when you look at, was it Jairus? Mm -hmm. And then the, the woman with the issue of blood, they were compelled to come to Jesus by something in him they believed he could help, yes. the leper in, in Mark 1. So he was attractive to others. What is it about us that would attract these people to us? I tell you what, I'll be honest with you. I want to be a blessing to God's people. I want to be attractive to God's people. But something I'm becoming more and more conscious of as I'm going out and about is I want to be attractive to people that I encounter in the world. It, it's it's little things. I... Uh, I Personal examples are sometimes the only ones we can give because we know our story the best, right? right? But even, I don't remember where I was uh, over the past week. Uh, there was a particular encounter. I was somewhere. I guess I was in a store somewhere. But I remember just walking through, and you see so many drawn faces and down people, and you get angry people and all this. And people just look like life's not great for them. But I just consciously was trying to be aware of how I sensed the presence of God in my life and as I encountered people. And I noticed this. I noticed people would respond. I would pass by people and I would, I mean, you know, I'm a big smiler anyway, right? <laughs> that's, that's a joke. But I was consciously, I was feeling this awareness of my face and my countenance being light and being, you know, I think, if I can say this, I think you'll under, people understand, but almost like there was a glow. Now, it's minimal, folks. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a very in, internalized person. But I felt it, and I, I think I recognized that there was an effect in people as I passed by them. That's a powerful thing. Yes. That's, a, that's what we want. Now, i got a long ways to go in this area, but just to be attractive to others. And, and the last thing I was going to say was he was approachable to others. And I think that if you look at those words, there's a, there's a progression in that. The people really were not – I mean, they were hesitant, right? I think the woman with the issue of blood, she approached him, but kind of from the side through the crowd and kind of just took hold. A little hesitant, but they felt they could approach him. Yeah, it was, I think maybe a lot of that hesitancy was some of that accusation of the enemy. I'm not worthy to come. He's so great. He's so righteous. He might reject me. So let me kind of sneakily get, when the whole time Jesus is like, come unto me, 
I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna receive you with with open arms, and that's that attractive quality that, and I, I've just got to get close to him, and then the joy and the relief of realizing, wow, he's he's approachable. I can come to him. It's it's the full picture, and it's and it's grace poured over. Nicodemus all over again. Yes, we'll 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 leave that note for people to ponder on. That's so right. Good words today. Good teaching from the scripture. Have a great Monday. And we thank you for joining us on today's program. We hope that you'll tune in with us each and every day right here on Daybreak Devotions as Pastor Mike and I will discuss various topics in God's Word. If you've got any questions, comments, we would love to hear from you at daybreakdevotion at gmail.com.